But hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now. And it's just going so great. So great. All the time. Uh, we are um, honored and excited and thrilled, really, to have, I don't know, the woman of the hour, I almost want to say, um, Molly White on the podcast. She of Web3 is going great. Um, welcome, Molly. Thank you for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I say that because um, I just feel like you're, you're everywhere. These days, like I, I, congrats on your on the Harvard Business Review piece that I that I saw just came out. Oh, wow, that's super exciting. That's awesome. Also, congrats on leaving your job. <laughs> oh, we love that. I heard that you are now a, 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 a free agent for the moment. Yep, full time fun employment. That's super awesome. I, I was wondering, like, um, was the impetus for leaving the job? Did it have anything to do with? With the blog going so well, are those two things related at all, or, or what's the story there? Yeah, dis- despite uh, broad speculation, it was nothing to do with the the blog or anything okay. with my uh, my crypto work. It was just sort of uh, coincidental timing, I guess. But you know, I've worked at the same company for like six years, which in software engineering is kind of an eternity, and so kind of a lot, feeling yeah. like it was time for a change. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how those things work out, though. It's like. You know, n- now you you have this whole other career waiting for you. Not really. <laughs> the not temptation really, but- to say that I was going to work for a crypto company was very strong, but right. I decided to ad- avoid that. I mean, April April passed, unfortunately. But <laughs> no, yeah, you could always do a, a late April Fool's joke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's so much, obviously, to get into and talk about. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I was wondering is, like, uh, first of all, the 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 part of the impetus for bringing you on is because I saw you tweet this tweet about looking for, uh, you know, things to listen to or things to read that were debates between, you know, um, and this is, this is the first part of the conversation too, is the, even the fact that there is a pro and anti side that there's like these sides, mm. that's a whole conversation that I want to have. But first of all, I was like, I was wondering like, what, why did you tweet that? And, and like, what were you looking for? And, and what's your interest in that? And also, are we the first, uh, um, like conversation, enemy territory, or whatever you want to say <laughs> that you've that you've that you've uh, interacted with since since uh, since starting this journey? Yeah, so um, I definitely, I mean, I consume kind of a lot of like crypto related content uh, just as research, basically, and I was finding that a lot of what I've been reading and listening to and all that tend to be from the pretty skeptical perspectives, um, which is great because, I, I mean, I learn a lot from that. There's a lot, you know, that I, as a technologist, really don't understand from, like, an economic standpoint or from, like, a sociological standpoint. And so hearing those things and learning from other people has been really valuable. Um, but I was I was starting to feel like I wanted to hear just some sort of engagement between people with more opposing viewpoints. I've I'd heard a couple of things like that. Um, like the Crypto Critics Corner guys have had some, you know, blockchain folks on their podcast before and things like that. But I was just sort of looking for, for something a little bit um, different to see if I would, you know, get value out of it. Um, as for whether or not I have personally, you know, been on uh, more of the pro crypto or crypto positive, I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, podcasts or conversations, um, I did go on CoinDesk at one point. They wanted, wow. uh, they wanted a quick like interview after the Wikimedia Foundation stopped accepting crypto donations. Right. Um, and so they they asked a couple of questions that were definitely a bit pointed. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of content is, uh, you know, just kind of broadcasty, and the sort of like uh, conversation dialogue angle is. Um, you're right. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know how much of that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to find the pro crypto stuff. That's everywhere, and yeah. there's you know increasingly more and more skeptical stuff. Yeah. Um, and then when there is sort of engagement between the two sides, sometimes it doesn't feel very productive. You know, like it's totally. just very ideological and sort of shouty. And so I was kind of hoping to avoid that. Um, I did. I did find some good stuff. There's like there's the blockchain debate podcast is 
is one where they've had, they sort of pick a topic and then they try to find two people on like ostensibly opposing sides and they discuss it and you know things get a little heated sometimes but i was gonna say yeah how did that go (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've only listened to a handful of them maybe maybe it's hard to generalize but yeah that's so that's so interesting um on that podcast do they are they debating like like is it like intra block intra crypto fighting is it like polka dot versus you know whatever or is it yeah some of it is and some of it is is broader i listened to one where they had bennett tomlin from who i know from crypto critics corner he came on and discussed um algorithmic stable coins and i was listening to it actually just before the terra collapse i had found it because (laughs) they published a podcast about terra like days before everything fell apart and they referenced it in that podcast and so i went and listened to it and then like a couple of days later, you know, everything's wrapping wow. up in flames. Russian. Everything, it, yeah, every, it was going just great. You might even say it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've noticed. Like, I've been listening to basically all the skeptical um, media that I can get my hands on. Um, you've been listening to Matt Binder's podcast, and I mean, you've done every single one of them. The the tech can save <laughs> us. All, all of them. I've listened to um, various episodes, and I listen to obviously a lot of you know crypto podcast as well and i i just i do it gets a little old um for me hearing everyone agree with each other on one side and everybody agree with each other on the other side and that's fine you know um but yeah part of the impetus like for bringing you on of course bringing dan olson on is like i don't know how productive we can be necessarily (laughs) but but i but i mostly just like i'm so interested in trying to find some kind of common ground Um, And this is maybe where to start for me is like this, maybe this meta conversation about about the conversation, Um, because, you know, the way that it it strikes me that like it's just a probably a function of our world currently and a function of the of the ways that we um, communicate with each other primarily online that like, you know, the temperatures are pretty high and like. I know you were, uh, I know that you were involved, I don't know exactly how you were involved, actually this is something I'm interested in, uh, in Gamergate, like the whole Gamergate thing, um, which I was also, hang on, I'm going to close my door, hang on one second. <laughs> A lot the of content behind that door. are screaming and I'm not sure why and I'm <laughs> trying not to think about it. Um, I'm so, sure it's yeah. fine. They're, they're worried about the Terra. They're they're screaming about their te- yeah. their Luna holdings. Oh my god! I, I don't, need, don't even. Yeah. 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 Let's go there. Um, I'm going way off on like a thousand different tangents, but I actually I have a really good friend who's like one of my closest friends from when I was little. It's actually my very first friend ever that I made Aww. when I was three years old. Um, is is uh, a Wikipedia editor and very involved. And so I said, I said, hey, we're I'm talking to Molly White. Do you know this person? He said, yeah, of course, uh, I I know her. And um, I remember her being very involved in the Gamergate stuff. And uh, he does a lot of video game stuff. His name is on there is T Hibbs. I don't know if that means anything to you. It's like, but anyway. Um, so, but the thing that strikes me is like, um. You know, on these online fights that we have, mm-hmm. and this sort of like fandom thing that happens, where mm-hmm. where you know people are so invested in one thing or another, and it's hard in that context. Yeah, I've tried to like interact with like David Gerard or like Stephen Deal on Twitter, and it's just like it never goes well. Uh. It just like it's just like it ends in us both being way more angry than when we started. Um, and I, and I'm just curious about your read because you strike me as someone who's more, and this is how I try to be of like someone who's more, I don't know, just skeptical in the sense of like, you're not, you're not a hardliner in any kind of sense and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm wondering how that like meta conversation strikes you in, 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 in comparison, I would even say to like past past internet flame-ups. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely, you know, a hardliner in the sense that I do think crypto is bad, you know, and I have nothing, you know, to do with it personally. Yeah. Um, But what I do try to avoid, and some people feel like this is kind of fence-sitting, I guess, but I try to avoid um, attaching too much 
assumptions to the individual around why they engage with crypto. I think there's mm. sort of a big feeling, increasingly so, that everyone who's involved with crypto is a scammer or a grifter, you know, or only in it to get massively wealthy, uh, or they're dumb, you know, like, among the, obviously, among the sort of skeptical side of things, there's sort of this very strong value judgment associated with, you know, why people get into crypto. And that's something that I found really interesting is looking into why people get involved in crypto. And it often is not that, Uh, you know, very few people, I would say, who get involved in crypto are saying, I want to go steal money from people. Or, you know, I want to go do something terribly unethical so that I can make myself rich. It's not that usually, you know, I mean, obviously, there are bad people as there are anywhere. But, you know, most people are hoping that, you know, this could be a ticket to financial freedom, for example, or, you know, there are artists who are hoping to sell their work, and they've struggled to do so in the past, because digital artwork is hard to sell, you know. Um, You know, I think that I personally like to think that most people are good people who have good intentions, and they aren't like, yeah, let's go burn down the rainforest, you know, like, that doesn't seem to typically be the case. Um, So I try to to be a little bit uh, sensitive about that. And, you know, like I said, I, I do feel that crypto is harmful, and that, you know, there are bad things that are happening. But I think it's more useful, I guess, to sort of um, direct my anger or my efforts against sort of the big dogs and the the companies and, you know, the sort of more systemic things rather than, you know, the retail investors or the, you know, the Luna investor who just lost all his money or whatever it is, you know, it just feels like a bad use of my time. We don't need to pile on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To those poor people. They're like, now is not the time for I told you so when someone just lost a ton of money, you know? Yeah. No, it does seem like um, I I would resonate with that. Um, It does seem that when people encounter the crypto ecosystem and and Dan's case is a particularly like extreme one, um, they find those people first, the scammers, the grifters, the like shitty projects, the like whatever it is, um, because they're the easiest to find. And like the and they're loud, interact- <laughs> and they're loud. Exactly, the squeaky wheels. Absolutely, and so like that's something that has stuck with me. Is when Dan and I were trading like projects that we knew about. I had never heard of any of the things that he was talking about, and he had never heard of any of the things that I was talking about. And I'm like, we live in two completely separate worlds, um, and one of those sucks. And I'm sorry, Dan, but you're that's the one right. you learned about. Um, yeah, that's that's stuck with me a lot, and I'm I'm not quite sure what to do with that. But it does feel very real that that happens to people. Right. Yeah, I think there's kind of an endless number of sort of views that you can get into the crypto world. You know, some people mostly see NFTs. Amorphous blob. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, depending on how you're introduced to it or who you're talking to or what, you know, pre-existing beliefs you already have, you can see something that's very, very different. Totally. Um, So, anyway, yeah, it's just sort of a broader topic is you know i've been trying to trying to make sure that i'm getting like some different views on that just so that i'm not you know stuck in my pre-existing beliefs too much but totally yeah yeah there's a there's like a there's a typical thing that i'll see from from the skeptic and i think this goes to what you're saying is like um you're either the scammer or the mark right mm-hmm. you like oh, in crypto funny. like you're either the person scamming or you're the person being scammed and i thought you were a person named mark Oh but no! Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> or you're one of the many. Marks. Or you're Mark, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. right, right. <laughs> um, and, and you know, and just like, just like, just like anything with with the with the critics side of things, I can see like this that side completely. I can see why you would feel that way. I can see why you would think that. Just as I enjoy reading your blog so much, you know, like I can see. I can see from your perspective, you know, and generally from any perspective, seeing all of these things tallied this way, very clearly, I can see why you would come to the conclusion that, like, there's nothing redeemable here. It's 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 a trash fire, you know, just as, like, your little counter. I love the fire on the counter. It's such a good... Yes. It's such a good... <laughs> On on the site, Matt, on the corner, there's like a there's like a animated Is gift a of fire of, of like how much money has been. Oh, and, fun. and the more you scroll, like the higher the number goes. Cool. Just like this money is just on fire. It's great, um, and it's, it's great. and it's true, and it's sad. 
That, that was one question I have for you. I feel like you have this like this layer of empathy that you have, where it's like it's not you're not you're not. It's funny, but I think the reason why crypto people like it, and I know that you've said that crypto people do generally like your blog. I think uh, is because I think we can sort of tell that you do have this like em empathy side of it. It's like. Like you said, you're directing your ire at these at the people perpetrating, but the people who are being perpetrated on, like, it is very fucking sad for those people. Like, it's it, it it's a disaster for for these people, and I think that's what you're tapping into, and that's 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 sort of indisputable. Like, that's not that's not a point that we can like dispute. Yeah. Like for the people for the people who lost everything in Terra, like that is a the, fucking unmitigated time. right disaster. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's, you know, my approach to it is just, you know, if someone loses a lot of money, it's very possible that they had a ton of money to begin with and they're fine and they were just hoping to make it rich. And then, you know, people can feel okay about laughing at them. But like, you don't know that. And it's super possible that this was like all the money that they had. They were just hoping that maybe for once they wouldn't have to work two jobs, you know, and this is they'd been told that this is their ticket out and they can maybe, you know, pay back some loans or whatever it is. And so it's like, I kind of would feel bad if I was laughing at that person. And so, you know, I, I try to just keep that in the back of my mind when I'm talking about people losing money because, like, people make decisions that, you know, you might not think are wise all the time because they're in a bad situation. And, you know, t you know looking at them when they're, they've lost a lot of money and saying, you shouldn't have done that or you should have done more research or you should have, you know, diversified your investments is like probably not the most productive thing to do yeah definitely not super and, helpful and Terra was unfortunately <laughs> like a like a, a like a like a honeypot for that in some ways because it was supposed to be the safe stable place that you could put your money you know it's not supposed to be this it's not supposed to be speculative it's supposed to be like okay this is i'm gonna park my money here and it's gonna earn 20 <laughs> percent like it's like that's not yeah not that was that was the number that was the um, number <laughs> um yeah Oh, I mean, sorry. Go ahead. I guess I wanted to. Uh, one of the thoughts I was having was, um, it seems that like a lot of things are just like obvious truisms on like for and against crypto. It's like, yeah, people are being scammed, and yes, that sucks. It's an obvious truism, and at least for me, I see like a lot of um, like the philosophical stuff plus like the ability for digital artists to have digital art that makes sense to other humans and people can own it. Like that seems like an obvious truism to me. Um, which may not be to universally, but it seems like an, a natural good. Um, I think the difficulty comes from like deciding whether or not the whole shebang is worth it, um, which is a really large and tough value judgment to cast. Um, I don't know. Have you thought about that? Uh, that sort of like, yeah, what is that called? Dilemma. Yeah, I have. I mean, I, I think there are trade-offs that you have to consider with every technology, right? Like this came up a little bit when talking about the Wikimedia Foundation's decision not to accept crypto is a lot of people believe that decision is like primarily based on the environmental side of things, which it was a large part of it. Um, I would argue maybe not the primary part, but it was, you know, a large part of it. Um, and some people tried to say, you know, well, the Wikimedia servers use electricity or, you know, editors are using electricity when they're editing Wikipedia, which like, right, right, right. it's on a very different scale. But, you know, no, totally. that is not untrue that electricity we're, we're, has to be used yes. for technology. <laughs> plucking strings. Yeah, totally. But that's like not a useful argument to be made. It's cute, but it's like, right, it's yeah. not realistic. Right, yeah, exactly. But like, I think there is some truth in that, like, yes, traditional banking uses a lot of electricity or like true there, you know, gold mining isn't great in a lot of ways, you know, or like the right. US dollar has problems. Um, so like, it is true that you have to make trade offs with anything. Um, and, you know, I think there are some some trade offs that I find more compelling, you know, it's like, I have seen cases where crypto has been used to like send money to people who really need it, who are having trouble getting money otherwise. Um, and I think that's a good thing, you know, that people can get money in a pinch when they need it. Um, but I also do feel like a lot of the goals that are being used to justify crypto in general um, often are very admirable and I share them and often are not, do not require crypto. Um, mm. yeah, yeah. That's so super fair. I think that's yeah. where I sort of try to draw the line on a lot of stuff. So, mm -hmm. so this, the, and I want to ask sort of a similar question to Matt, but, but, but actually building on that exact thing, which is 
you know, and and I actually gave you that that little bit of homework to listen to Evan's episode of our podcast, <laughs> right? Where where and and this is this is sort of where I'm heading, right? Is that the use case for the blockchain is actually pretty pretty narrow. Narrow. It's and yeah. as we discuss on that episode, like it's this sort of double spend, you know, peer to peer double spend problem. And like, if you don't have that problem, then probably you're not going to use a blockchain. Almost certainly also, you're not. And so, well. <laughs> yeah. you might. <laughs> yeah, you are. might. Well, well, yeah, you realistically <laughs> but, perhaps should not. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so, but, but so then, my question to you would be, I guess, like, um, do. Uh, Let's say, let's say, like, let's say, like, it's a different. Let's say, like, the goals that we share. Let's say, let's just say, like, everything looks different. I guess that's not a fair way to do it. But like, let's say that everything looks different, and like, you know, this kind of. I don't know if this is even a reality or what you thought of that podcast. I'd be interested to hear what you think of that technology. But like, let's say that like we're using decentralized identifiers. We have this way to like own to own our data in the sense not in the sense of like we can monetize it, but in the sense that like we have more control over who sees what and when. We don't have to sell ourselves to these big corporations, but also we don't have to like you know use crypto to like sell our data in some other way. Just we have more control over that. But also and also there's this use case of blockchain for like you said like in in places where people. Uh, can't get you know can't get money for some reason or one way or the other and or pr this use case that Matt and I obviously very strongly believe in which is the use case of these kinds of um, objects composable like 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 protocol level Lego kind of things with uh, NFTs and different kinds of coins and things um, could you is that something you could get behind where it's like blockchain mm. is relegated over here to being this very specific kind of thing or or would you say nope just throw it all out it's I, I don't want anything to do with it yeah I mean I think so like I said I share a lot of the same goals I think as a lot of people who are involved with crypto I mean I love the idea of more privacy of bigger corporations not owning and controlling data or selling it to, you know, data brokers and all those things. You know, I'm, I'm super on board with that. Um, and if there was a magic wand where you could have like blockchains without the spec, you know, the speculative side of it, if they were like normally regulated, all that kind of thing, like I can see how they achieve those types of things. The only problem is that by definition, blockchains require that. Um, so like I've heard like someone asked me one time, they're like, would you support, you know, public blockchain technology if there was no if there were no cryptocurrencies? And it was like, I mean, <laughs> that's like asking me, would I like the world if gravity didn't exist? Like, that's just not a, you know, a useful argument most of the time. Um, so I think it's sort of important to keep in mind that like, sure, in a perfect world where everything's perfect, I would be happy. Uh, but I also don't sure. think that, you know, there's the likelihood of crypto ending, you know, that way is is quite low, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely created in a like financialized context. Um, so to like imagine a blockchain without like all the blockchain does is have you know, scarcity, double spend, time guarantees, et cetera. And what you can do is put assets, like scarce digital assets. Like that's the thing you get out of it. And the first thing we did with that was make scarce money on the internet, um, which I think is like a very good pointer at like what people were thinking about when it was made, 2008 financial crisis, et cetera. And I think it's a big, you know, in the sort of like hyper-capitalist, but also weirdly libertarian. It's the blockchain socio-cultural spectrum is wild, but um, the whole like, yeah, cryptocurrency part is definitely there, even though, you know, the technology can support art, it can support really any asset, any tangible thing you could possibly imagine. Um, yeah, it's tough to imagine a world in which, um, you know, it's not a tool for, you know, DeFi games and the turkey. Yeah, I mean, I think money. the important thing to mention, though, is that like, you, you talk about how it can support art or it can support, mm -hmm. you know, DAOs or whatever you might be trying to do with it. But the thing that it can't do is it can't do that without the cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. You know, there is no I mean, blockchain, no public blockchain without a cryptocurrency. And sure. so, um, you know, the idea that it was 
like unfortunate that it was originally used for that. It's like, I don't really agree with that mostly because there's no way it couldn't have been, you know? Right. So you're, you're talking specifically about like the gas token for Ethereum specifically, where it's like, oh, there's this native token that exists as a side effect of how the system works. And that, yeah, basically, the yeah. you know, there has to be some way to incentivize miners or validators, right? And right, that's yeah, generally how it's achieved. Yeah, that's super fair. I mean, whether I mean, I don't know that it's Ethereum's fault that Ether gets like speculative. Um, because yeah, for the system to work as it does, it kind of does need this, you know, in, in the case of Ethereum, it's this measurement of computational energy and then pricing that in a dynamic market. Um, this is one of those situations where financial markets actually make a lot of sense is deciding who gets into the block or not. Um, it does feel, yeah, that's a necessary requirement, but it feels uh, odd to write off the whole thing because then people come along and have people incentives and are like, I'm going to speculate on the value of future computation for this network, right? Or like whatever else they ascribe to either the token. I don't think it's I don't think it's odd to write that off because, you know, a technology is what it's used for. You know, if if people only use it or largely use it for that purpose, then that's what it yeah. that's what it is. You know, you can't change human behavior on a large scale um, you know, without some sort of incentive. And so just like hoping that people stop speculating is sort of not productive, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not ever going to happen. Right. Um, yeah. But it's like, I guess, um, I guess like despite that, I'm not, I can't like write off the the core tech, right? It's like, I don't know, we, we kind of brought this up uh, in a previous episode, but it was like um, with digital artists, let's say, or like remittances uh, across countries, it's like that could have always been done. You could have always sent money to someone else using the traditional banking system, um, except when you couldn't because so-and-so didn't cooperate with so-and-so or federal re- like regulations over here prevented this from doing that. And this is uh, one of those situations where like it could have been done, but until Bitcoin, Bitcoin came along and sort of ignored that whole ecosystem, it was never that simple. Same thing for like digital artists. It's like you could have always sold digital art, and people did. As, as, as you at the point you made in your piece, right about PCP yeah. keys, and like yeah, it's like that could have been done, right? And then it and it just wasn't. And it just wasn't. And like one of the things that I love about like digital scarcity is that it gives me this feeling of owning a digital thing, which like this is a very like abstract thing, but it's like that didn't exist for me before. I just downloaded a song from Bandcamp like an hour ago. I felt nothing. Like I technically own this song. It doesn't feel like it. I feel nothing. It's 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 amazing the contrast between like an NFT that I hold in my wallet and the song that I just downloaded off the Bandcamp. It's incredible. Um, and so like that alone feels like a thing. But anyway, what were you gonna? You were gonna chime in, Jonathan. I think I just wanted I want to do one little brief tangent, which is. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Holly and Matt's podcast, Interdependence, oh, yeah. which I highly recommend, Molly, if you if you get a chance to listen. They're very passionate about it, but they but they're sort of very reasonable uh, as well. Yeah. But but Matt Dryhurst has this wonderful phrase that he's been using as a as a replacement for digital scarcity because hmm. um, and I, I was like I want to change the name of our podcast, you know, which we right. did in two thousand eighteen. Um, right. when this when, scarcity has a negative connotation. Yeah, yeah. And, and where digitally rare was like the yeah. was a it was a very novel concept at the time. Uh his his term is feasible abundance. Um wow. which which um so the idea being that there's nothing there's nothing that makes the thing actually really scarce. So like mm-hmm. in in the in the case of an NFT, you know, it's not that it's scarce, it's that it's feasible now. For it to be everywhere, and, and the the um, the thing I always think about with this, and I'm curious what you think about this too, Molly, is um, the Stuart Brand quote that everybody always talks about, right? Like um, information wants to be free, mm. and like the full quote that he says in that context is like he says there's a, there's a tension between information wanting to be expensive and information wanting to be free, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if I'm interpreting that the right way, but like in in my mind, that's sort of what NFTs do. It's like it's like it was hard for me to make a it was hard for me to make a living just for my songs when they were completely free. When I when I had no choice but to basically like put them out in the world and hope that people would listen to them and and do things. 
and now I found this way for them to still be everywhere and everyone hopefully to listen to them, but also people can feel like they're, one per, one person can feel like they're owning a, a, the canonical version of a given song. And it kind of like squares this circle of information wanting to be free and expensive at the same time. It's an time. interesting way to like slice and dice that pie. Yeah. Like NFTs are- Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of crypto and NFTs is has those types of like competing issues where you know on the one hand we want information or or artwork or music or whatever it might be to be you know freely available so everyone can enjoy it or learn from it but on the other hand we want artists to make money and be paid for their hard work you know and, and those two things are difficult to achieve you see the same thing with um like remittances is a good example where we want everyone to be able to send and receive money freely but, you know, most people also don't want just like, you know, completely unrestricted money laundering or sanction <laughs> evasion or, you know, all right. these things. Um, and so it's, you know, or so there are like a ton of different examples of trying to sort of find the correct balance. And I think, you know, it's almost an unsolvable problem, you know, in order to have you know, privacy, for example, you have to take into account that people might do things privately that you don't like, you know, or that you might want to stop. And and I think that's sort of a common dilemma in the internet, you know, as we see this in a lot of different fields. Um, so, you know, I do think it is, like I said, I, I do think it is great that, um, you know, NFTs have introduced for some people this sort of understanding of digital art as something that can be unique and collectible and, and valuable in a way that they sort of didn't understand before. But I think as I mentioned in my in my blog post about that, you know, I feel like that's a human change. That's not, you know, the fact that people were able to understand that is a good thing. And it is, I think, directly a result of NFTs becoming popular. But I also think that it's sort of a, a shift in human understanding that could have been achieved without NFTs. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I would agree with that, and 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 like the the only counter argument to that is is what we is what we always say, which is like, but it didn't. But you know it didn't. I mean? like, yeah, <laughs> it could have. It could have, and and you know, it would have been great if it did. And I almost think, and I almost like a lot of it. I see in this way, which is for for some reason, and maybe some sociologist and some some. Future behavioral like, economist, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll study this and figure it out. Like, what about this unlocked this for people? Both, I think about NFTs and I think about DAOs too, right? Like, like DAOs. There's nothing. There's nothing extraordinary really about no. a DAO it's at a all. Group chat with a bank account. It's a group you could have started a group chat and had a bank account you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, know and co-ops exist, right? Like, we, we right. but, 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 um, but like. I couldn't, I don't, I could like prior to this year or like we, people understanding what it is, I don't think I could have like started Songadao, you know, the way I did. It, it's just something got unlocked in people's minds and like why that happened or like why, why these technologies kind of did that for people. I don't understand, but the, but, but the only thing I could say is like they did and it didn't before and now it did. And like, do we, we, and like, like you're saying, like we probably could snap our fingers, keep everyone's feelings about owning digital objects, keep the feelings there and like find a different way to do it that doesn't involve blockchain with PGP keys or like, or, or decentralized identifiers or like some way some sort of, yeah. of doing it. Um, but this is what we have, you know, this is like what we have now. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it I guess, I guess the other, I guess like what is, could you imagine a, a use case or a scenario to make, even with the things you, you hate, like with the speculation, let's say, could you imagine a scenario? This is, I'm just going to keep coming back to this where it's like that you would, that you would some use case that you would say made it worth it for you. Like the trade-offs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely tried to think about that, um, yeah. and I have not stumbled across one yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, you know, I, I, I kind of, I love the idea of, you know, like, say, some people are very optimistic that, like, the crypto bubble has popped, NFTs are over, which I do not think is true, but if we were to assume that was true, you know, I sort of love the idea of, you know, all of that goes away, and then people continue 
gathering together in communities to achieve shared goals and they continue collecting digital artwork, you know, without the blockchain component. Right, right. right. Um, but I also think that is, you know, decidedly unlikely um, because, you know, it didn't happen before and it could have, um, you know, so there is clearly something here with crypto or NFTs that brought people together to do DAOs or to, you know, uh, you know, to, to buy NFTs or whatever it might be. And I do personally think that it was the speculative side of things, the, you know, enormous values that people were seeing associated with the tokens. And so I think, you know, if you were to snap your fingers, blockchains don't exist anymore or something like that, you know, or, or every crypto asset goes to zero. I do think it would be difficult for people to just sort of be like, okay, and then keep doing, you know, DAOs and NFTs, um, you know, on equivalent but blockchainless technologies. Totally. Yeah. Speculate speculation and like speculative interest definitely drives a lot of like energy to try things. It's like probably ninety plus percent of things wouldn't really make sense uh without that. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, you know, like um especially when it comes to, I don't know, I'd see like a lot of the digital art that I like is stuff that has done something new in the history of art. It's like if you had a museum uh, exhibition 50 years from now and you're like, what what did art do over the last 200 years? Like these things would be in it because they did something fundamentally new. Um, but all of that is like predicated on, or not all of that, like a lot of that is like base level, like, oh, that's interesting. But that's very little of what's actually out there right um so much of it is just monkey pictures as right as the joke goes right yeah jpegs specifically um but um what was i going to say yeah no it does feel like the the realm of things that would survive like a speculative collapse is very low um i guess for me it's not worth throwing the what's the baby out with the bathwater in that case um it just feels like it's like yeah that's gonna happen kind of thing um I mean, we've seen it happen, right? We've seen what happens, you know, oh, yeah. in 2017, 2018, yeah. 2019, when when totally. the, when the bubble bursts and totally. and things go, you know, to almost zero. Um, I think you can include 21, well, 22 rather. Yeah, here um, we are. Maybe yeah, optimistic right. or yeah. not optimistic, but you get it. Yeah, um, yeah. Depending on totally, your like the froth gets you know whipped off the top of the the thing. It's like all of these things that you know, did not have strong fundamentals, weren't like actually interesting to people, but we're only getting interest and activity because of speculative interest or because of like, um, just like raw delusional optimism, which is an impressive force to be reckoned with. That's um, for, but it that's is, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it is, you know, that, that like burst of optimism of like, oh my God, this is like, I think that's actually a valuable thing. Like if honestly, honestly, if the only thing that came out of crypto was like, some sort of like global optimism for the future um, around like, oh, maybe we can rewrite some of the sins of the past. Maybe we can change some of the structures that have like been around our entire lives. Like there is another internet that could exist. Like that might alone be worth it. That like opening up of Pandora's box of the realm of possibilities. Um, I mean, that's a, a large, like, I don't know if that's actually true, but it feels like it could be. <laughs> that it'd be it'd be worth that. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, people, a lot of people are really excited about crypto and what it promises to achieve. And I, I hope regardless of what happens, that people stay excited about those promises and, and those mm. things that they want to achieve. Uh, yeah. And, you know, don't necessarily get, you know, if crypto turns out to not go too well, or, or you know, things you know, it just turns out that that's maybe not the best solution for the problem. You know, I hope they, they'd stay focused on the problem rather than the yeah. solution. And that tends to happen um, during bear markets is uh, things sort of contract down and the promises become more deliveries. And more importantly, like the like things that were afloat on promises end up disappearing. You know, one thing like that I was, so I was listening to some interviews that you were doing and like, you're talking about like, you know, the, the, the way that the way that the Internet felt like in the early days of like the, just like the, the, this the zone of fun. And like we often talk about like how actually like in 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 our circles of Web3, which, you know, admittedly are not like the biggest circles or like the 
you know, you're not going to you're not going to read about them on your blog um, because there's hardly any money. One hopes. You know, there's like, <laughs> one hopes. I mean, I just don't think like there's enough money involved for them to right. even, you know, for them to even register. And because there's not as much money, they don't get as much attention and because they don't get as much attention. Not as many people are there. But in these corners, it feels fun. It feel like this is the thing is like it's there's so much like cool fucking weird shit happening and people just doing like the weirdest things. And this is this is another thing that I actually want to ask you about because I heard you talk about this is like they're doing these weird things. And the difference is that now we have a way to like pay them for this for mm. this weird shit that they're trying. Right. Mm. And I've heard you say on on some occasions of like. Like, oh, do we have to, like, financialize everything? Do we have to, like, make every single transaction now, you know, about money? And, you know, one half of me is like, yes, right on. You're right. Like, like, like why can't we just, like, you know, why, like, Wikipedia. Like, why can't we just do things for the sake of doing them? But then there's this other part of me where it's like, no, like, Molly, like, you should be getting paid for writing this blog that you're, like, pouring to all these hours into, like, like you know, there's two sides of me where I'm like, yes, Molly is, that's so cool. She's doing it just because she fucking loves it. And then the other part of me is like, but no, Molly, like, like I want to pay you. Like, I want to, I want to, like, I want to help you, you be able to buy a financially for sustain yourself that. for the work that you're doing. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that so, um, I don't know. I don't think I necessarily have a question there. Just like, uh, <laughs> uh, I yeah. was wondering how you feel about that. And I know, you know. Like curious, economic yeah. incentives and. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it comes down again, or it comes back to the idea that, like, again, we disagree on the path, but I think we both like the end goal, which is that people can do what they love mm -hmm. without having to worry about money. Yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of people see crypto as a solution to that, where it's like, you know, you can write open source software now, you can get paid for it through, you know, Gitcoin or whatever project you find, you know some of the DAOs that are trying to do that, um, you know, or, or you could, some people see the Wikipedia thing like that, you know, because there is, there is a barrier to editing Wikipedia, which is that if you already are working three jobs and you don't have the time or you have, you know, family you have to take care of, or there's just other stuff going on, you know, it's tough to slot that kind of thing in. Um, and I, I hate that, you know, because that is the, you know, that's something I enjoy and I think everyone should be able to do what they enjoy. Um, but I see that again, like the solution to that problem outside of crypto, I don't see crypto with that solution. Um, and the financial, when I talk about how I dislike the idea of financializing everything, that's not, you know, that what I don't mean to say by that is that I dislike artists being paid for their work or people being paid for their, their labor. You know, I, I think that's very, very important. Um, but I also, you know, what comes with that is people paying for access to information or for the ability to, uh, you know, become a part of a group that they like or to, you know, just be a part of anything. Um, and that's what really worries me because I think we need more free access to all of the wonderful things on the web, you know, not uh, increased barriers to participation um, that I, I see a lot of uh, sort of alarm bells sounding, you know, when I hear people talking about Web3 projects. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And I, I always felt that about Patreon. I, I always, I, 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 you know, nothing that I ever put on Patreon or anything did I ever gatekeep. Like, that. that's a mm -hmm. fundamental thing that I always think is, like, I don't want to put any bear, any financial barrier between anything that I make and anyone else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, I think that that's absolutely awful when people do that in crypto. Um in general and yeah like the the gatekeeping with dollars and with you know yeah you know even even you know fwb like you can't join right. fwb unless you have like thirty thousand dollars or something to buy yeah. their token i mean like at this point it's probably like yes. five but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no i think i think that is worth pointing out right is like especially when it comes to groups like all groups are defined by um, the line of who is in or who are out. And that line can be very fuzzy, right? You can go to the co-op once and hang out and you're like in the co-op, but not really like uh, same thing, right? The problem I think stems from an over optimization on, in the case of web three, the financial method of creating that line. Um, and I think that's just silly. Um, it's Groucho Marx, except any group that wants me to pay me to be there, I don't want to be in. Um, 
like that's that's super valid. I do think that there's something very cool though about like maybe you know about the chip in my hand. Um, it you can only get an NFT of my face if you meet me in time and place, um, and you tap the chip in my hand. And that's like a non-monetary distribution mechanism that can create a community and has. There's a Discord, you can join it, nothing happens there. Um, but it's like, that's, I think that's powerful. The problem is of course the over-indexing on like just the financial stuff and then the speculative play around membership in the community and so on and so forth. Like that feels very um, toxic and alarm belly. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I think with like the chip in your hand example, like what's to stop you from putting a chip in your hand where if someone scans it, they get a discord invite, you know, like without that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what my chip will do. But then they wouldn't have a picture of my face. (laughs) Okay. So you email them a JPEG too. (laughs) But they got to feel like they own it. Yeah. Right. And you can PGP sign it in my new system Ah. that I've designed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, the financial incentives are worth thinking about. Cause like Wikipedia is something I is the exact example I threw out in like 2018 um, of like, you know, this is a system that works without money and it should stay that way because as soon as you add economic incentives, things change. Um, if anyone were actually compensated for their time editing Wikipedia, I think they'd stop um, because what they get out of it is, you know, social clout, personal value of contributing to this greater thing, like all of these different things, none of which are the value of their time while they're typing. Um, and adding that. Yeah. And I think that works in the other direction as well, which is that there are people who are paid to edit Wikipedia and it really changes their editing. Yeah. Um, totally. Because if someone's paying you to write about them, you're probably not going to write about the sort of not so good stuff. Totally. You know, so you end up with a very different product as a result. Yeah. Economic incentives crowd out, and I think they should be used very sparingly, um, especially when it comes to these like social layers. Um, social networks are a great example. I think money and tokens and points and upvotes should stay as far away from social as possible because I don't know if you've ever seen... BitCloud says hello. Yeah, BitCloud, <laughs> Sense, uh, the other one that was bought by Coinbase. Um, they're all garbage piles. They're all terrible because as soon as you start like attributing money to upvotes or whatever it is, you get garbage. Right. It's just how it works. Um, and I think like that's one of those situations where it's just like, yeah, right off the whole thing. Like I, I'm not interested in like this, like, um, you know, very explicit, like, okay, the top performing posts from this week, get X dollars or whatever it is. Um, like maybe there's something more interesting going on, uh, more interesting one could do that's like similar. Um, where you still want to like reward people for contributing to the community in interesting ways. And, you know, there is this like care work, this sort of like abstract value that's passing between people. And you want to like perhaps notarize that somehow, quantify it somehow. Recognize it. But there's got to be a way to do that such that the game itself, which is like why people are contributing, doesn't change so heavily. Um, or if there isn't, then damn, that's that's unfortunate. But if you maybe there is, and we just don't know it yet. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. true. I mean, I think it's one of those sort of dilemmas, right? Where like, as soon as you introduce money to something, you know, things change, Shit and sucks. often in really <laughs> yeah. bad ways. And so it's like, how do you reward people without introducing that, you know, right. th- that factor? And it's it's very difficult. It's it's extremely difficult. Yeah. I'm gonna ask Devin. I'm gonna ask Devin right now, our editor, to to insert um, Cindy Lauper. Money. Money changes everything. Nice. That'd be good. Um, I have one other question that I wanted to ask you, and I was thinking about this, and I and this and and I may be totally off base on this. So so if I'm getting my dates wrong, or if this doesn't make any sense, both of you can just shame me. But and I tweeted about this yesterday. Uh, uh, you know, one argument that we will give as as crypto crypto boosters, <laughs> as it were. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I subscribe to that label. I'm trying to find, like, I've tried to find a good word for people who are like positive about crypto, and there's, there's just no nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, is is we like to say we like to say we're so early, right? We're early. We're early. We're early. We're early. Now, now here's but here's my argument because I've heard you say that that's bullshit, and 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 I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective. But here's here's what I was thinking about uh, the internet. And I got this from Wikipedia, so hopefully Wikipedia is right. The internet was founded 
or, or like the date that they that they say that the internet started is in 1983, is is what is what Wikipedia says. And then Tim Berners Lee with the, with the World Wide Web was 1991. Okay, so that's like that's how many years? That's like seven years or something. So if you think about Bitcoin as the internet. Uh, or Bitcoin as the internet and and Ethereum as a World Wide Web, which I think is actually not a terrible um, mapping, right? You have sure. like the sort of proto thing and then mm. something that sort of builds on the thing. You have mm. 2009 to 2014. And then I was thinking about Friendster, wow. which is like, you know, which which I don't know how old, I, I don't know how old you are. I know I Matt was like Friendster. a little young for Friendster. Yeah. But Friendster blew my mind. I was in college and it just like blew my mind. So I was thinking about Friendster. You know, Friendster was a full 20 years after after internet. Internet, World Wide Web, and then 2003, full 20 years later was was Friendster. So wow. In that time in that time frame, 2026 would be our Friendster moment in crypto. So in my mind, I'm like we're not even to Friendster yet. In, in Web three, we're not even we're, we we you know we're still in the world of like putting you know putting uh, newspapers on the internet by as PDFs like that's where we right. are right now is like PDF newspapers you know like maybe PayPal kind of exists a little bit you know but like we're not to Friendster yet forget mm-hmm. like MySpace or anything else like we're not to Friendster yet is that mm-hmm. is that compelling at all is that argument is that does that mean anything to anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I see where you're coming from. Um, I don't I don't agree with it because I think when you're talking about technological advancement, just in general, things move at sort of like an exponential pace because everything has to sort of build upon everything that was built before it. You know, so like in order for Bitcoin to exist, we needed the internet, and before you know the internet existed, we needed we sort needed of the ARPANET and the yeah. yeah right. And before that, we needed computers. And then before that, we needed electricity. And so there's sort of like this ever, you know, shortening scale between one innovation and the next. And so I think you do sort of have to look at things like, you know, a lot happened between, you know, the WWW flag being planted in the ground and Friendster coming about as far as technologies being developed and, and the things that mm. sort of enabled Friendster to exist. Um and That's so I think fair, it's yeah. a little bit difficult to sort of make those types of sort of like, well, if we look at this same right. period of one time in the past, you know, unless totally. we sort of change the the time scale so that it matches, you know, I think we're sure. sort of operating on a false premise there. Yeah, it does get exponentially faster. It does feel like that some change might be tied to, uh, you know, the linearity of time around like how long it takes culture to change or new people to be born for whom crypto it just exists. Um, like we're, we're barely at the point where, you know, if, if I'm thinking like my, my childhood, like I never knew a world in which the internet didn't exist. And like, we're only now getting to that point with like people who are being born within the last 10 years, realistically, like the last five. Um, like that's, that is kind of interesting. And like, that's a linear sort of approach. Um, but yeah, I was also going to bring up that, tech does feel very exponential um, in that way. My counter argument though to the, and I, and I know what you mean is like, is like typically you look at that graph of like adoption, right? It's like, it took this long for TVs. It took this long for radio and TVs or whatever. My counterpoint would be like, it just feels as though we're still, and we talk about this a lot in the podcast, in this skeuromorphic zone. Totally. It, and and we obviously both think, and you might, and this is like, I know you probably don't agree with this, but like, we think that like at some point there's gonna be new things, that that there that there is something new to be unlocked here, but like we haven't figured it out. Just in the same way that like they didn't figure out what you know, it was just like let's put newspapers on, and now everybody's saying like what's going to be the Twitter of, you know, what's going to be the Twitter of the blockchain? Or like, you know, let's make an Airbnb for the blockchain. It's like, no, you're you're putting newspapers as PDFs. There's right. like something that's different that we right. can do now. And what is that? And I guess like when I think about it, I, I could just see that we're all still in this. But I just, I almost just, I just like feel like it's going to happen. And, and maybe I'm delusional and maybe we're all delusional about this. And like maybe it really is. Like you say, a thing in search of a thing 
you know, a, a solution search of a problem, but it, it really does to me feel like there's like, we're stuck in this skeuomorphic zone of like trying to, trying to like put web two stuff onto web three stuff. And then at some point there's gonna be this thing that unlocks and be like a whole new set of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the, the thing about a feeling is, you know, I can't argue that you don't feel that <laughs> way, right? Like, I, 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 you know, you very well may, and you, you know, that may turn out to be true. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't share that feeling. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I think from the early days, you know, the internet had obvious use cases where it was like strongly better than the alternatives that we had at the time. And it was, it was pretty obvious, clear. It was obvious to some people, but I mean, you can find plenty of oh, instances tons. of people being like, you know, there's a famous clip of like, was it David Letterman? Like, well, I could just send a letter, you know, like, like <laughs> what, you know, what, who cares? And then like the Brian Gumble on the Today Show was like, have you heard of this internet thing? Like, you know, they, you know, it took people a while to, to, to get it, you know? I think I think that argument is misused a little bit. I think oh. I think that um, people understood what the internet did and how it was different from you know, the post office or sending a fax or whatever they might, well, no, fax is a bad example, but, you know, send whatever they might have been doing at the time, you know, those sort of existing forms of communication or or, or things like that. Um, they disagreed with the impact that it would have, the scale that it would have, the adoption that it would have, you know, the feasibility that it would, you know, that it would even be feasible for an individual to have a computer that was connected to the internet or, or those types of things. And so there was skepticism about that. Um, and, and people were like, I don't understand it. Um, and I, I don't see the parallel there today. You know, I think people who do deeply understand what blockchains do, you know, like the, the technology itself, don't understand the, the use cases for it. Um, and I, I see that as a very different thing from saying like, well, it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna blow over. Right, right. There, I, 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 yeah, like, like I guess the, I guess you're saying the difference would be back then, you know, the skeptics I think probably tended to be, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll just say this, Luddites or whatever. And, but anyone who like was more, you know, you didn't have like system information people who were like, they were all very excited by the internet. They all got it. Whereas now you do have an entire, uh, you know, many crypt many skeptics are come from this world of like I fully understand blockchain and I fully don't think that it's anything. So maybe that is that that in and of itself could be a could be a, a pretty strong. Right. Interest. I think I think if if there were a lot of technologists being like I see blockchains, I understand what they do, I can see why they are better, you know, they are strongly better or enable new things compared to existing technologies. Um, and I just don't think that I think they're a passing fad. That I could see being compared to the, you know, the newspaper articles back in the day of people who who thought the internet was just a big, you know, to do about nothing. Um, but I, I don't see a lot of that today. There aren't a lot of technologists being like, sure, this can do totally new things from the past that we have no analog for and are, you know, it is decidedly better in those ways. Um, you know, the, the, the things that it can do, that it is specifically, you know, like suited to do are fairly limited um, and have, you know, pretty big hurdles, I would say. Like the double sped stuff. I mean, that's that's basically where it comes down, right? It's like... Yeah, I mean, if you want to write something to an immutable ledger that is, you know, decentralized, you know, and you want to avoid double spend or, or, or things like that, then yes, <laughs> that's what blockchains do and they do it sort of well. <laughs> um, are, there, are there... Would you ever consider actually implementing your PGP key uh, idea? Someone has done it already. I, I, so I oh, really? came up I came up with this idea. I was listening to um, uh, when the music stops. They had uh, an artist on there that was talking about sort of the benefits that he saw in uh, NFTs and sort of like the things he didn't like about today's NFTs which was a lot of the speculation and, and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And I was like, I was listening to this podcast and I was like, I've had this idea. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I totally get it. And then I like Googled it. And I was like, oh, 10 people have had this idea before me. Oh, yeah. Because um, it is like a pretty simple idea and it's not this big brain blast that I was thinking it might be. But, sure, sure. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, so, yeah. 
someone did come along and, and actually implement basically a prototype of it that is up online if anyone wants oh, to look at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be totally curious about that. I, I, yeah, I I'll shoot you a link to it. Yeah, I would be curious if I would be curious if there was a way to sell an NFT that way. I guess it wouldn't technically be an NFT. Or maybe it would. I don't know. Uh, that would give us the same feeling that an NFT gives you, like owning it in that way. I think what you lose in that instance is the composability, I think. Yeah, there is something to be said for the interoperability and the composability of like digital assets. Yeah, I mean, I do think interoperability and composability is a fundamentally new unlock. Um, and in in the way that, like, if you write a lending contract that works for one type of asset, like houses or something, and you want to borrow against a house, um, that also works for any other object um, that follows the same standard, like any object. Um, so it's like you the same code works for a car, blah, blah, blah. And then on top of that, someone else can come and plug into that permissions permissionlessly. And that's like something that simply would have not is, is technically possible. Companies have offered APIs, blah, 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 but realistically didn't happen. And the fact that that code runs automatically is insane. Um, and so you get like atomic swaps for free, um, which is incredible. Um, and so like that stuff that, I think feels I, I forget where we came from with this conversation, but it, it felt uh, it felt relevant. Well, I, I was just sort of circling back to to, to just the fundamental idea of like is oh there the feeling anything? and yeah. the selling of the NFT. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that's part of the selling of an NFT is like the atomic swap of bam bam. Um, that's that's I don't know that that could have been done before without like trusting a server, which I guess is the point is that we don't have to do that in this scenario, Molly. Do you, um, we should wrap up here. Do you own, you don't, I'm assuming you obviously do not own any cryptocurrency. Right. Nor have you ever owned any cryptocurrency. I have owned cryptocurrency briefly um, because I was seeing so many people being like, you have to buy crypto to understand it. And I was like, fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I bought some crypto and I think I, I forget the number. I, I actually, it was like last fall. So like all of crypto was going up in price. And so I think I made like $17 on it. <laughs> and nice. that's all the crypto I've owned. <laughs> um, w w like... Would you ever consider owning an NFT or, or are you, is it too, are you too, um, because of the work that you're doing, is it, is it too, um, uh, ethically murky for you to even own an NFT at this point? I have, that's what I've been going with is just choosing not to do it. Um, I just, you know, I have, um, I have played with the idea. I think there's a lot of really interesting sort of anti-NFT NFTs that could mm -hmm. be made. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. I, I definitely was like thinking about those a lot last winter. It just like kept springing into my head. But I was like, I don't feel like there's a way that I can like make an NFT without feeling like I am contributing to the system that I you know, dislike so much. So for those sure. reasons, I have chosen not to, not to hold them. We love anti-NFT NFTs. So we, you know, our, our friend made a, a site that you can, that literally just mints. What do you put in on that site? You put in the hash of the NFT and just gives yeah, you. It'll, it'll clone any NFT. It'll clone yeah, any NFT. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. It's we, technically we, possible. Do it. Absolutely. We, we love that. And I mean, any, any art, I personally love any art that uses NFTs as a medium. And it's like, okay, generative art, NFT specific, great. Um, but like, if you make an NFT about that are like anti NFTs, like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's good yeah, art. Yeah. Like, love that. <laughs> so, I guess what I'm getting at is like, if you ever did meet Matt in person, would you be willing to get? Would you scan my hand? Would you scan his hand? Would that be something you'd be willing to do? I don't think I would. <laughs> wow. Wow. Fair enough. I'm, Fair enough. I'm, I'm, I, wait, so what blockchain does your hand NFT use? It uses Ethereum mainnet, although... So who pays the gas fee? I do. Oh, okay. For everyone. Um, yeah, so there's no financial barrier. And I'm I'm actually like, I'd say one third of people who scan my hand, I'm their first NFT. Um, which, yeah, it, it doesn't do anything, but like, it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> And 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 the other side of it is I would I, I we, you know we have this way of onboarding into Songadao I don't know if you know this where um, 
you don't have, so the way Song Dao works is right, you own the NFT and that sort of gets you into the DAO. But like you don't have to pay for one because we have this program called Thing A Day where you make a, make art every day for a month and at the end of the month we give you a Song A Day NFT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I assume you would not want to go through this process of like, um, <laughs> of of doing something every day for a month in, in, in exchange for an NFT, a, a Song A Day NFT that we give you. But if you did want to do it, that would be amazing. It's open, and, <laughs> and I would literally, I would make, I would make a song specifically for you, <laughs> for like probably for your website, like specifically to give to you. I don't know. It, just let that percolate for a minute right. and see if that would be something that you would be interested. <laughs> I would be so into that. I think that'd be. Amazing. I feel like this is you know that old meme of like come to the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> I feel like that's what's happening here. It's like we have they're cool NFTs and you can have them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, one thing I one thing I will say is that I do disagree with the sort of prevailing belief that all NFTs suck. Um, you were mentioning that earlier, like that yeah. everyone's like they're all just crappy apes, you know. And I, I right. do see that a lot, and I think that's wrong. Like I have seen some really cool NFT art out there. Um, you know, it is not. <laughs> I think I think some people think that I am somehow opposed to the artwork and not not right. the sort of underlying technology, uh, which right. is very much not the case. I think there's a lot of cool digital artwork out there. Matt's, I just want to call out Matt's pro- other project, Aleatoric, which is just amazing, oh, yeah. which is where he, he sleep talks. Oh, yeah, I've heard you, I heard you, you know talking that, about yeah. that on the Dan Olson one, I think. It's, it's so yeah. good. It's just <laughs> yeah. wonderful. And the latest one, oh, he froze again. The, lo- the latest one is just so, it's very funny. He, he says some very funny things in his sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Molly, thank you so much for taking the time. This was lovely. I really appreciate you coming on here. Where can we follow you on Twitter? My Twitter is molly0xfff, and then the Web3 is Great project has its own Web3 is Great Twitter handle as well. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about starting a, a competing blog called Web3 Sure Does Suck, huh? And it would be like, <laughs> hi- it would be like highlighting projects that like I like that I think are cool and worth, worth paying attention to. <laughs> well, go for it. The code's all open source. I try to tell yeah, yeah. it to everyone, so... <laughs> I may I may clone I may clone it and then and then every post I'm going to sell is an NFT now. Um, Someone did reach out <laughs> to me asking if they could make all of the posts on my blog into NFTs. Oh my god! Yeah, no, that no, that that's not nice. Um, <laughs> they asked uh, at least. Yeah, at least they asked. No, that's true. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming. This was lovely, Matt. Do you want to? Is there any? Oh, do you, is there anything else that you want to say that we didn't cover? Anything else that you want to shout out or, or talk about? I don't think so. I I did listen to that podcast that you uh, pointed me to that had Evan on your show. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I have my own. I, I could do probably a full hour long recording about my own opinions about self sovereign identity and, and DIDs Ooh. and things like that. But oh my god, we might have to bring you back. For that. <laughs> <laughs> but I I did like her general statements that. Uh, not every project is well suited to blockchains. So I think there's common ground that you know, even even people working in blockchain projects can uh, can find. Who knows? Maybe your next software engineering job will be at a DID focused uh, <laughs> or some kind of I don't know. Who knows? And, and <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, and I do have a little bit of alpha from Evan. I I asked if it was okay to share this. Early June is when is when disco is supposed to be dropping. So that's that's the latest that's from, exciting. from Evan. It'll be yeah. a disco cool. summer. Things things <laughs> always take longer, I know, than than everyone expects. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. That's quite simply how it works. All right, Matt, you want to take us out? You know, I think we really deserve a new season at this point. Uh but we're until gonna start then, the new season on our fourth anniversary, which is in about a month. Yeah. Until then, everyone get nifty. Unless you don't want one, in which case don't get nifty. Oh yeah. Get nifty.